All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and I've had uh, a terrible series of weeks and months. And I also got uh, boosted yesterday, so please excuse everything about me. I'm Mary, a marketer, and I'm going to Disneyland tomorrow, so. Nice. Having a better, better week than Missy. <laughs> That's Everybody my life. Send Missy love. It's been a rough. It has. I can't even say the time frame because uh, I don't know. Well, according to my mental health journal, this all goes back to August 29th. Jesus. A fateful day. The day before my birthday. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you're going to need to. Okay. Well, first of all, sorry. Oh, I watched this too. Yeah. No, you talked about oh, it. I talked about it last time. That's right. Uh, sorry. I we had to delay an episode because my mind was elsewhere um and <laughs> there was a lot happening and I was not up for podcasting so uh Dairy Girls will be out by the t- it doesn't matter Dairy Girls will be out by the time you hear this but sorry it was late uh I watched Last Night in Soho which is the new Edgar Wright movie um starring Anya Taylor-Joy Matt Smith is there uh some other people are in it and it's a movie about um mary talked about it i think on our last what we've been up to but it's a movie about this girl growing up in like modern times i think uh, it ha- like the phones and stuff. yeah yeah it's been a bit since it's i watched one it. of those yeah she she's she is like a, she's going to school for fashion she likes to make her own clothes and she goes to this fashion college in london and she has this a miserable fucking time because her roommate sucks and um at night, she well, she ends up moving into this uh, house, this apartment that she's renting from this older woman. And at night, she starts s- sort of experiencing this double life as this young woman played by Anya Taylor-Joy in the 1960s. Did you predict the ending? I can't remember I asked that. No, I don't think I did. There were a lot Until of- you got close to it, right? And yeah. Then like, yeah. Yeah. So she starts, starts sort of living this double... Was it the 1960s? Am I making that up? No, it would have been like because I'm thinking of her hair and her outfits. It's got to be the at 60s, least mid to late, maybe early 70s, but I think it's 60s. Yeah, she was living at the same time as Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> I just want you to know that that Anya Taylor Joy's character in that movie partied with Austin Powers. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the same cinematic universe. <laughs> um, so uh, she she is like an aspiring like singer, and she ends up uh, meeting Matt Smith, who's like a promoter dude, and he. Um, doesn't treat her very well. We'll go with that. Uh, but this this young woman in the modern era, she starts sort of living as her and experiencing her life and like becoming obsessed with her. Um, this movie has, I think, kind of mixed reviews. I thought the first half was awesome. Like the first half was really really fun to watch, and I liked I liked the second half. I liked the movie overall. Um. It just at time at times it felt a bit heavy handed. It really needed um, somebody to say less is more. Yeah, yeah, I th- and I mean that's kind of Edgar Wright's yeah. thing. He's kind of a more is more director. I I remember finishing and being like, yeah, that's an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, I I liked it. Like I really enjoyed it Same. overall, and and I thought it was like well done, and it was really interesting. And I what I really appreciated about it is I thought it was taking a really easy direction. 
Um, especially like given, I hate, I hate to say it like this, but like, this is what it is. It's like the me too conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was taking a really easy route there and then it swerved in a different direction. I was like, Whoa, I don't know if I like that direction either. Given some yeah. of the people that Edgar Wright has worked with in the past. I mean, I'm pretty sure when baby driver was made, the news about Kevin Spacey wasn't out, but like still I, I felt, I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I like that. And then he swerved again and I was like, okay, no, that swerve is good. So there was, there was a series of, of narrative swerves in in the in the last probably 30 minutes of the movie that I thought were really well done there was just maybe that last third there was like some of it where I'm like we can uh we can we can ease off a little bit here you're going you're going a little too hard um but I thought it was really effective and in a in a time when we really only get adaptations and adaptations and adaptations and and superhero movies and superhero movies and superhero (laughs) movies um, I was actually really like glad to see an original screenplay that was interesting and memorable and so stylish. Like yeah. when I say stylish, I mean like visually, obviously it's very stylish. That's kind of, again, Edgar Wright's thing, but also like in the, there's so many movies and I talked about this in a recent episode when we were talking about Dune. There's so many movies that just like hate color. And like, I'm talking not Edgar Wright, not Edgar Wright. And I appreciate that about Edgar Wright. Like, even if, even if, you know, you don't like his movies or whatever, I appreciate that he like cares about being visually striking in a way that isn't just costumes or sets. Um, and the costumes were great. The, and this, like when I say this movie stylish, I mean, it's a movie in part about fashion. So like, that's part of it, but it's also just like visually you could not mistake a screenshot of this for a screenshot of anything else it's the vibe is good in high school it would have been one of our favorite movies oh for sure for sure um i i really liked it i thought it was really effective um it's not a perfect movie or anything but like i in this day and age i am grateful for uh original hollywood movies with you know an interesting style an interesting visual style and Anya Taylor Joy. Um, and Anya Taylor Joy, who is just a just a delight. You need to watch Emma. I do need to watch Emma. It's in the jar. It's so good. Maybe I'll watch that today because it's It's a very fun movie to it's watch. A, it's a sick day. Yeah. I don't feel that bad, but like my bones, I feel them. You know what I mean? It's a good thing though. You're like vaccines working. Yeah, you know when you can just feel your bones? I that's what I've got right now. <laughs> I'm tired and I can feel my bones. Each one of them's aching. Yeah. Uh, I did take my temperature. I don't have a fever or anything, but but I can feel the bones in there. Um, So yeah, last night in Soho, it was a lot of fun. I liked it. It wasn't, again, not a perfect movie. It's not going to like blow your mind as far as like, whoa, I can't believe uh, he had the guts to say something so brave or anything like that. But I thought it, I thought it was a good mixture of fun and having a point. Um, I think though the downside with the heavy handed part is for some people who are probably more towards the terrible side it would be like oh i like can't movies not be political kind of thing yeah and i think that often when things are heavy-handed that that becomes an issue right um i think it's good for people who maybe like don't know about it like those kinds of conversations and want to know more but i definitely feel stuff like that like lends hand to ugh. Can I just watch a non-political movie? Which yeah. I never can. Well, I mean, Edgar Wright's movies have always been political to some degree. I mean, you could you can kind of look the other way with Shaun of the Dead, maybe. But like um, maybe. Hot Fuzz, 
is super political. Maybe I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen World's End, but like Hot Fuzz, you can't look the other way. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Baby Driver. I have. I can't remember it, but it was good. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, so I don't. I don't know anything about it. Um, but like, I don't know. I. I mean, even Scott Pilgrim. I guess a lot of people miss the point with Scott Pilgrim, but like people, the same people. I'm. I'm so sorry that just the thought of people missing the point of Scott Pilgrim just hit an anger button in me which is like the people that miss the point of Scott Pilgrim are the same people that miss the point of like Fight Club and I'm like I feel like you're you're to some degree the problem I here. can't remember much of uh, Scott Pilgrim but is it that he's just an idiot he's a t- he's a bad person yeah, okay. the movie knows he's a bad person everybody knows he's a bad person and the point of the point of the comic and the point of the movie is that he grows out of being a bad person by growing the fuck up and stopping thinking about himself all the time and I understand that like not everybody is going to go into a story like that and, and like get it, but it's it gets lumped in with like red flag movies, which is like a shitty discourse to begin with. I'm on a soapbox now and I don't have the mental fortitude to explain why it's a shitty thing. Other people have done it better than me. I understand it's a fun, it's a fun meme to participate in, but like, just think about it. Just, just think about it. I can't do the thinking today because there's nothing in my brain except vaccine um they got me the 5g's in there now now you're a lizard person i'm a lizard person uh but just magnetic yeah i'm magnetic and that's really distracting super awesome when all of the metal in my house is like coming and sticking to me it's really hard to focus on the podcast um surprising you can even hear her i know over the clinking of the various forks and spoons stuck to my face uh anyway someday i'll return to that i would like to do scott pilgrim someday um, and then we can talk about like what the red flag thing is and like why it's annoying. Um, essentially here's, here's the, the super elementary level, like the kind of media person enjoys is not indicative of their personal values. That's, that's, that's the, that's the primer. We'll return to that someday again. That's all you get. I watched last night. So how I liked it. <laughs> uh, do you want me to do another one? Yeah. Okay. I also watched the movie fame. Uh, which I think is a 1980s musical drama um, about a group of kids going to like a performing arts school in New York. Uh, It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was also like serious. It was more serious at times than you would expect. Um, A lot about like homelessness and privilege and also some banging songs. Um, Like they won, they won an award for fame, the song. Do you know what song that is? I think so. I didn't know it until it happened in the movie, but it's like, I'm going to live forever. Yeah, Yeah, that one. Um, I really liked it. I think it's a more serious musical than you would expect um, from something called Fame. And and it has been a few weeks now since I watched it, so I can't tell you that much about it. Um, But it did, it dealt with things like poverty, like sexuality. Um, I found something you missed on yours. Oh. oh, wait. Yeah, you've watched Venom, right? Oh, yeah, I did watch I Venom. I mine so we can talk about Okay. I just remember. I was trying to figure out what movie I watched last week. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't believe I forgot about Venom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Fame was pretty good. I If you like uh, that kind of thing, it's when I say it's a musical, it's not... Um, there's like four or five musical numbers. It's not like a musical to music. Like it's not, there's not a lot of musical... It's musical light. Yeah, um... But it is primarily a story about these kids going to um, this 
performing arts school in a variety of disciplines and lots of uh, teen drama unfolds and some of it's quite serious, some of it's less serious, but I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Nice. Um, not the greatest musical I've ever seen, but it's got some, it's got some solid bangers hmm. and uh, yeah. 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 Um, I watched The Matrix last night. I hadn't seen this movie since probably high school. And to be honest, I can't believe we didn't watch this movie like on repeat. I So I think part of the issue with The Matrix was that by the time I watched The Matrix, it was obviously these are two very different movies. Do not think I am comparing them. But in terms of cultural saturation, yeah. by the time I got around to watching The Matrix, it was kind of like Napoleon Dynamite in that. I had heard it quoted a thousand times. Oh God, I had seen so it parodied a thousand times, but I had not yet seen the actual thing. So when I saw it, I was like, that was cool. I think for me, looking back, probably one of the reasons is the types of, the, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to like call anyone out or be, be rude, but the types of people that we knew that liked this movie are not types of people I wanted to necessarily be associated with. <laughs> Um, so I think that played into it. Um, so, so yeah, the matrix is, um, about a guy whose computer name is Neo. (laughs) His gamer tag, if you will. His gamer tag, his hacker tag. Um, and he, like, there's this idea that they kind of lead on that he, if you've ever watched or listened to the podcast Rabbits, it feels very much like that. I guess that feels very much like The Matrix, but whatever. Um, of, like, he's, like, been searching for The Matrix. Turns out the people of The Matrix have been searching for him. And he, you know, you know, the whole red red pill, blue pill. You know. You know. One, one lets you forget, which is the one I would choose. <laughs> one, one that you can, you know, you're out of the cave. You've heard us talk about Allegory of the Cave. This is it. I, you know, I was like, okay, I know going in this is Allegory of the Cave. I know that's a huge part of this. So I'm going to go refresh my mind on it so I can like pinpoint things because that's fun, obviously. And then I was like, didn't have to look anything up. They're just like, you are a prisoner. You only see, you only see this and beyond that is more. And I'm just like, all right. They just were like Wikipedia. Yeah. What do you know? I'm not saying it's bad. And I'm cause it, cause uh, it is like, you know, philosophy and that's not necessarily easy to mm-hmm. deal with. Um, especially like in two and a half hours that it is. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Neo chooses the red pill. Um, I only remember that because of awful, um, MRA people. Do you, have you seen the tweet from, I can't, I can't remember who the other person is. I think, I want to say it's Elon Musk and Uh Tommy Lauren. Uh I think Elon Musk says, take the red pill. And then, uh, Tommy Lauren responds and says, uh, already did with a thumbs up emoji and then Lana Wachowski replied and said like I hate both of you oh my god yes <laughs> good I'm so glad I'm so glad um I'm so glad <laughs> it's great I'll see if I can find it so you can see it in did real they life. respond I don't think so <laughs> I met Elon they got owned so. Tommy Lauren was probably like whatever but I bet Elon Musk was devastated <laughs> he, he is he is the person I'm talking about that like loves the matrix that yeah. growing up you're like, it's like I don't want to be around that person or at least this isn't like you look enough like a red flag that I'm not gonna be willing to like get to know you you might be a fine person and again that's not to call anybody out that's just the people we were around yeah I Thinking specifically about certain people. So it could just be them, you know? Oh, I'm sorry. It was Ivanka Trump. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was, I'm sorry, it was Lily Wachowski, not Lana Wachowski. Uh, and she res- what she responded was, fuck both of you. <laughs> Did either of them respond? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, sorry, I had it wrong. It was, it was Elon Musk saying, take the red pill. And Ivanka Trump responding, saying, taken. And... T- <laughs> Lily Wachowski just says, fuck both of you. That's amazing. So you take the red pill and you're, you find out that you're just, you know, a human being harvested in like 2000 years before, after you actually think you are. Um, and then they work to, I don't know, what do they work to do? Get people out of there? Not really. Take down the androids? Maybe. I'm not 100% sure what they were trying to do, but it's also really tired. So that could have been why. Um, they were definitely trying to like beat the computer AI and stuff. But I don't know what, like, they were going to stop people from being harvested. But then what were they going to do with all those people? Like, I feel like they started at the wrong end of this fight. Um, but whatever. Uh, it was, it, you know what? I watched it and I was like, I bet that was fucking awesome when that came out. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I was never, like I said, never a huge fan of the Matrix. It's like I liked it. It's just, um, I wa- I think I just watched it too late. I think if we had watched it like closer to when it came out, we yeah. might have been a little more like, oh, this fucking rules. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think we were just a little too late on the bandwagon for that yeah. one. Yeah. Um. But like I like I was telling Mary earlier today, I am 100 percent in favor of anything, no matter how elementary that gets people to yeah. think about philosophy. <laughs> so I don't care. I don't care. Like if it's if it's a super like entry level um, way of getting people to think about things. I think that that is so valuable. And I'm really glad that the Matrix exists, yeah. even though it wasn't something that like I really gravitated toward as a teenager. I think I'm excited to rewatch it and to see the new one because I think that I really like the Wachowski sisters as storytellers. I don't like all of their movies and like, I'm not as big of a fan of them as some people are, but like they like much like Edgar Wright, they fucking know style. Yeah. And they, they know what they want to say. Yeah. They're not subtle. No, that's okay. you don't have to be like, I think like we did that episode on Sense8, which uh, I like had some flaws that we talked about in the episode, but like they fucking go for it. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, they pick these like bold concepts and like they don't they don't seem to worry if like it's going to sound corny or anything. They're like, we're going to fucking do that. Imagine if they got together with like Christopher Nolan and made a coherent movie. Mm hmm. I feel like they'd be a good good pair in that they are like the most opposites. They would make such a middle grade like I understand this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. think they're really good. They're really good storytellers, mm-hmm. and like they, you know, they they don't always nail everything, but like they fucking go for it, did and they, I appreciate that. Did they do the sequel and the third one? Or is there? I think one? they did. Yeah, they did. I'd be willing to to watch that. I would like to do the Matrix someday. Yeah. Um, I love talking about the allegory of the cave after we did the last unicorn. Yeah. It's so fucking interesting because I think it is, I don't know. There's just certain like theories and, and, and that I just think are really just, you know, you're like, yeah, you're really smart. Aren't you? They they kind (laughs) of, uh, the stuff like that, it can really, when you get it, it feels so good. And then you're like attached to that serotonin. I think that especially like allegory of the cave, I think it's explained it's so simple, so it is easy to grasp, but it also, like, you're 
easy to extrapolate on and that feel like you said that feels good it's a gate i think it's really a gateway for like like allegory of the cave i think is really useful for as a gateway to philosophy Mm -hmm. because you can be like okay maybe i don't believe that there is like a platonic world of forms right where Mm -hmm. everything there's like a perfect version of every concept but the idea that something that the truth is not necessarily what i see can be intriguing and can lead you down deeper like deeper methods of thinking it can it can be the the pathway into um into just like philosophy that you think about every day and i think that's so valuable um so again like i'm really grateful that things like the matrix exist because i think that it like i i truly believe that the world would be a better place if we didn't treat philosophy as something that's only for old white men with beards living in the woods yeah or a useless thing to do in college. Yeah. You feel like, really, though, like, philosophy is a really useful thing to have in college because it really helps you under... Not only does it... I think it helps you hone your critical thinking skills because mm-hmm. it is really difficult to read and, like, to understand, but it also helps you, you know, and then it helps you understand other things that you're doing. I love my philosophy classes. I yeah. Have. One of the things I've been thinking about recently, because I was... The other day I was confronted with an opinion. I don't remember what it was, but I was confronted with an opinion where I was just like, ugh, No. And then I and then because like I I listen to philosophize this and I think a lot about philosophy just based on the the podcast that we do. Um, So I often have philosophy on the brain. And and so with that kind of thinking, I was able to take a second and be like, okay, why? Why? Why does this idea upset me? Why might this person think this? Is there anything I can learn from disagreeing with this person? And that's really valuable to to not let my knee jerk response of ugh dominate my life and we that's could all use that that's the kind of um benefit i see to everybody yeah. watching the matrix yeah it was good <laughs> i i enjoyed it i had a good time i'd be interested i think that definitely the matrix is something we should talk about also through the whole thing so when i watch movies with my husband it's very frustrating sometimes because anytime there's a fucking gun on screen he knows exactly what it is <laughs> And he always goes, do you know what that is? And every a time, gun. a gun. <laughs> and then he stopped, he got annoyed. So then I started doing AK Pigeon 4-5 uh, JR Tigers. <laughs> this is, that's what my husband and I do, except it's about my inability to recognize actors. <laughs> so he's like, do you know who that is? And and I just list off every actor I can think of. <laughs> and I'm never correct. <laughs> oh my God. I just get, every time I'm just like, First of all, how the fuck do you know this? That's a weird, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he can get it down to the model and sometimes the year. And I'm like, you have a problem. <laughs> Second of all, I don't fucking care. So many times, <laughs> I don't fucking care. That's your thing. It's not my thing. I don't fucking care. <laughs> you do you. You do you. I'll do me. I don't fucking care. He also has this tendency and I hate it. What would you do in this situation? <laughs> is cry and die <laughs> yeah i feel that <laughs> like i just like i don't fucking know what uh, would you do and then he's silent <laughs> or it's either silent or i get my shotgun <laughs> that's really funny God. every every movie we watch especially scary movies what would you do what would you do <laughs> that's so funny so annoying <laughs> Oh, my God. You want me to go again? Sure. Okay. I read Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. I started that. Uh, Magic for Liars is a fantasy mystery novel about uh, a character named Ivy Gamble, who's a private investigator, and her twin sister, Tabitha. 
Whoa, look at me. I remembered a name I from a book. I literally was listening to that and I couldn't remember him. <laughs> uh, her sister Tabitha uh, is a teacher at a magic school and can do magic herself. And Ivy is hired to investigate the death of one of the teachers who seems to have just exploded in the library. Um, and the investigation by the magical FBI or whatever, the, I can't remember what they're called, the, the Maz or the Miz or something like that. Les Miz. Les Miz. They, uh, they concluded that it was an accidental... Suicide? No, yeah, they, suicide? they concluded it was it was suicide, and the headmaster or headmistress clearly in love with this person. Clearly in love with this person uh, doesn't believe she believes it was murder. Um, so she hires yeah. Ivy to investigate, and uh, yeah, a lot happens, and I don't want to spoil it. This was a real. I really liked it. Um, Sarah Gailey is a very crisp and like brisk writer. Um, they have this really I think great ability to just draw you in with like very clear prose and then all of a sudden they'll hit you with like a really good metaphor that like really sticks in your brain um I think they are very readable and a lot of fun like they have really good stories I've I've I started it and then just it was like this is not what I want to read right now yeah so I stopped it after I think a couple hours and I started listening to a trash book because I just needed something that wasn't going to give me anxiety yeah um but yeah they're they're a really good writer and uh just a, just a good storyteller like if you just want a solid story to carry you through like it's it's a good one. I th I felt like really invested at all times. I had a suspicion of what happened, uh, and I was right, but also wrong, um, which is what I want from a mystery. I want to feel clever, <laughs> but I don't want to figure it all out myself. I don't want to be too clever, you know, because then I feel like it's too easy. I really want you to read Ninth House. I will. I just haven't read it yet. It's so good. Working through that my big pile. Um, so if you like a mystery, if you like fantasy book, if you like just like a fantasy solid, book. a fantasy book, if you like just a solid uh, story, like you just want something that's like really satisfying in terms of like pieces coming together. The the ending is a bit. It's not inconclusive. You find out. You find out who done it. Uh, that part is is quite clear. Um, but the story ends before you get everything narratively wrapped up in a way that I think is great. Like, I loved the ending. I thought it was perfect. I wanted more, but I was like, no, this is exactly what it needs to be. Um, so, yeah. Magic for Liars. Great book. I'll Definitely listen. recommend. I'll listen to it soon. Um, I went to the movie theater all alone. I had the entire theater to myself because I really wanted to go see Spencer. Um, Spencer is the movie starring Kristen Stewart as, um, I almost said Diana Ross. Diana Ross. Is Spencer her last name? Her, it's her, it's her uh, maiden last name. Okay. That's what I was yeah. wondering. I was like, why is it called that? Who's Spencer? Yeah. That's her maiden name. And so it's about Princess Diana and it's, it takes place over a three day period. Um, if, of Christmas, so Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas. And Boxing Day. Yes. And uh, she goes to this, um, the, the, their big house where they're celebrating, which happens to be across the street from her, the home that she grew up in, which I think oh. is part of the reason why it was called Spencer. Um, and this is, so one of the things that made me really, really want to go see this movie is that it is filmed 
as if it is a psychological psychological thriller horror movie. And I 100% agree with this. This movie is not trying to tell the story of um, Princess Diana. I almost said Diana Ross again. <laughs> and it and it begins the movie saying that. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but like this is based off of a folklore or something like that. And it kind of sounds similar to the movie Shirley, which is a fantastical, in a sense, retelling of an event that may have occurred in Shirley Jackson's life. Mm. Yeah, that's how it feels. It's like genre. It's like a genre telling of something that might have happened. Yeah. I mean, the music in this feels very horror. Um, There's some really intense scenes. I will say there's a huge trigger warning for eating disorders because she famously has an eating disorder. And it was really difficult to watch some of it. Like it's it's really sad. Like she the first thing that they do when they go in is they um, it's just so weird. I don't know if this is true, and it probably is. You have to weigh yourself, and if you don't gain three pounds by the end of Christmas, then you clearly didn't enjoy yourself. What? Because you're supposed to eat a lot of food. Well, uh, yeah, she obviously didn't want to weigh herself. Um, and it's clear that the whole family doesn't love her, even her husband. Like, the only people that love her are her children. And everybody hates her. And she has to deal with essentially being in hell. And there's some really, like, some scenes that are just hard to fucking watch. Like, when she eats pearls, Ooh. it's it's just... And I'm like, she's, like, crunching down. Oh, my God. Um, I won't ruin that part for you. But barely anyone else is in this movie. Barely anyone else speaks. There's a couple. There's a couple characters that she confides in. Um, a lot of people who who work there, and because she is, she like that's her whole thing. She's of the people, and like the people loved her. Um, the royals did not. You can very much feel the same way. What's happening with Harry and um, Megan? Megan. I want some Michelle. Uh, I don't know if the people loved her as much, but I know in America people love her and they live in America now. But uh, it feels very similar, which breaks my heart for Harry. Like that breaks my heart uh, because that was his mom. Anyways, it's it was a really I really liked it. Like it was it was a really good movie. I'm really glad I went to go see it. Um, I would watch it again. And Kristen Stewart did a really, really, really good job. She really felt like um princess diana and i just i thought it was a good movie and i loved i really like this going into it being like this is not what really happened and we know we're not trying to tell a story that happened Mm -hmm. and i think that's admirable and i love how it was filmed i love the colors are cool they're like muted but still very vibrant and um yeah I i really loved it I can't wait for you to watch it. Cool. I don't know if you'll watch it, but maybe someday. Th- there is a lot of there is a lot of puking. That's that is a problem for me. That the, there is a lot of puking, but uh, I could tell you when it's not. It's clear when you shouldn't look. It's clear. yeah. It's I appreciate clear. I appreciate it being telegraphed. Yeah, it's it's very very clear when you should not watch it. Um, but and it is hard to watch sometimes. But I think if you're at all interested in Princess Diana's story. Um, then it's, and you want to watch something that's like different, like really weird. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the movie for you. It is definitely filmed like a psychological. We should do a, a Spencer Shirley double feature. Yeah, we should. Of That'd be awesome. imaginative retellings of possibly yeah. real events. Yeah. I, you could tell that this was an indie film to begin with. Cause there's like, 
a million producer companies and like there's it just goes on and on and I was like all right but no it was good I highly suggest it nice uh I read Hellblazer volume seven which is called Tainted Love this one's by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon um who you may know from doing Preacher um they did the entirety of this volume which is a relief because let me tell you some of the early volumes have about 85 different people on them and it takes me 10 minutes to read all the credits so Steve (laughs) Dillon and Garth Ennis um so I have mixed feelings. I really liked this volume overall. There was some stuff in it where I was like, all right, buddy, <laughs> lay off. Um, but I really like this volume overall. And I think Garth Ennis is like my favorite con- contribution of Garth Ennis to Hellblazer is Kit, who is a woman that um, Constantine is dating at this period in time. She's this like fierce ass Irish woman who does not take any of his shit. None of it. Not even half a second of shit will she take from this man. And I love her. She's like probably one of my favorite side characters in the entire series. Um, So this one is about, God, what was it about? It was about, uh, it was about Constantine turning 40 in part. Um, I really like that Constantine is allowed to age in this series. Now that's not true because this this was coming out in the nineties, I believe. And the series still is kind of going and I don't know that he's aged beyond 40, but I do love that he like his birthday celebration is part of this volume. Like he has feelings about turning 40 and he has a birthday party. And I, I just love that a, that a comic character is allowed to move forward in age because comics often so often feel to me like just snapshots of different universes where the character is always the same age and i think that that forward momentum in age is good for constantine as a character but we can talk about that in our hellblazer episode now we're not doing this volume but um one thing i miss and i didn't realize it until i was reading some reviews of this volume um was that the first few arcs by Jamie Delano, whose name I will look up how to say correctly when we actually do the episode and I won't pronounce it different every time. Um, he was very interested in Constantine as a character's connection to pagan folklore and pagan magic. Whereas Ennis is really interested in Catholic and Christian myth. Um, both are interesting, but I miss the pagan connection because especially given like, the UK's history where so many folk traditions like come from, I mean, folk traditions come from everywhere. There's like nowhere on earth that doesn't have a folk tradition, but like, I, I miss that. I miss the like connection to the land and that kind of thing. Whereas this is less of that. And that, that kind of bums me out. But uh, I also, so in this, this is a really depressing, they're all depressing. Like it's not like Hellblazers, like a, uplifting an uplifting I mean to some it it depends on how you look at it one of the things I love about Hellblazer is it gets you real mad and you stay mad Mm -hmm. and I like that because I have a tendency to slip into being maudlin there's the more like when (laughs) when we do the Hellblazer episode a lot of things are going to become clear about me as a person (laughs) but as a person who has a tendency to slip into being maudlin the fuck does maudlin like overly depressing okay um, 
I since I have that tendency, something that gets angry and makes me angry and keeps me angry is like really appreciated. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's kind of what I get from from Hellblazer as a series. And uh this volume, it went a little heavy on the maudlin because what happens is uh Constantine has his 40th birthday party and the two most important people in his life aren't there for it. Um just like Taylor. Chaz Chaz and Kit aren't there for it. And Jake. Huh? And Jake. Gyllenhaal? Yes. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal isn't Poor there. Jake Gyllenhaal has turned off his comments on his Instagram. Uh, I feel really bad I mean, he's for him. he's a dipshit for sure, but, but like, like he Come on. <laughs> he's a dipshit for sure, but um people are awful it's true it's true people will people would die for taylor swift this is true if they could spit on him in real life they would do it i'm sure you love her but yeah um but uh anyway so kit and Chaz aren't there for his birthday and then like a series of things goes go wrong and he ends up becoming homeless um and not in a um a fun little jaunt for him (laughs) a nearly dies from the elements and alcohol poisoning level of uh, homelessness. Uh, And throughout this, it talks about serious issues like queerness, like AIDS, um, which Hellblazer has never steered away from. Um, And uh, like, it's all, I thought it was, I thought it was valuable, but it really did drag on in a way that I didn't feel that I didn't feel was serving the story super well. Um, but I mean, that's what happens when you have a character that gets given to different writers, right? Mm-hmm. Is you, you, you're going to have different interpretations. And for me, like having started with the movie, but also, you know, starting from Jamie Delano's run again, I've said it a different way that time. Um, the, the more maudlin stuff doesn't do it for me. I want to get mad and stay mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I it was really good though. Like, don't get me wrong. I like I said, Kit probably one of the greatest additions to Hellblazer. I love her so much. Um, she's exactly what that motherfucker deserves. Um, just so so good. I can't wait to do our Hellblazer episode. I'm so excited. I have it on my coffee table ready to. Read. I hope I hope you like it. Um, someone out there has got to. Sh- gotta share my love for this series it's so good uh and we'll be reading we'll be reading one delano volume and one ennis volume so we'll have that ability to kind of compare them um but yeah it was a solid volume i liked it um and if you like hellblazer obviously it's worth reading um we also watched Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, which is one of, if not the earliest Ghibli films, I think. It was really good. It was really good. It was super good. Um, this one is about... Uh, oh, but why is it so political? Oh, my God. Okay, I was thinking about that this morning, so I'm going to soapbox again. Here we go. I love a messy soapbox. I'm so, <laughs> I'll, well, give me a minute. I'm going to do a little summary first. So, Nausicaa is about uh, this young princess who... Um, and it's been a few weeks since I watched it, so please please bear with me. Um, she lives in this place that's being invaded by this outside group. Um, and they're going to have... They kind of have to make a decision, if I remember correctly, between uh, exploiting the forest that is both... Uh, a harm to them like it out of I think out of the forest comes like these toxic creatures or something like that yeah something harmful comes out of the forest but the forest is also protection for them so they have to kind of make this decision about do we do this for our own protection or 
do we potentially make things worse by doing it? And there's a lot of um, talk about violence and the environment and our relationship with the natural world and that kind of stuff. It was really good. It's still very relevant. Oh, absolutely. Like scary relevant, especially mm-hmm. like global warming stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was really, it was really, really good. And I, I liked it a lot. Um, it's not my favorite Ghibli movie, but I, it was really strong. Like, I think, I think, um, if Princess Mononoke is your favorite Ghibli movie uh-huh. and you haven't seen Nausicaa, you should watch Nausicaa because yeah. I think you'll like, I think you'll like it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it, like, it's what I had to say was so good. Yeah. And, um, they were so cute and I loved the bugs and stuff. And yeah. I just thought it was just good. Yeah. Soapbox time. Uh, so I talked about this when we were watching it, but a while ago, this like viral tweet went around that was like, oh, I love Ghibli movies. They're so cozy and I wish I could live in one or something like that. That tweet went viral, went around. And then, of course, the response to that went viral, which was like, oh, yeah, I love the movies where the cozy movies where there's a forest spirit bleeding all over everybody. (laughs) And there's like widespread violence. Love those movies. Entire war. Yeah. And so I read both of those viral tweets and like. I when people say that Twitter lacks nuance, they usually are referring to the character count, right? They're usually like, oh, it's hard to expand on an argument in 280 characters. That's what threads are for. That's what threads is for. But I think that I think that the idea that Twitter lacks nuance is worse than that because what the real problem for me with Twitter is that everything is always black or white. Like, truth be told, both of those people are right to me. Neither of them are entirely right, but neither of them are wrong. For me, one of the things that I love about Ghibli movies is that they are often about these worlds where horrible things are occurring, where war is occurring, where violence is occurring, where environmental exploitation is occurring. And at the same time, they are about these really cozy moments, right? These moments of human connection, these moments of friendship, of family, of eating together, something as simple as just sharing a meal. I think that both parts of the equation are equally important in what makes a Ghibli movie so wonderful because we do live in a world that's full of terror and suffering. and Especially and, now. Yeah, like the world is full of these things. And if we only focus on the suffering, we're not going to fucking make it, right? Like, we're getting some great art. Yeah, we're not going to fucking make it if we can only focus on the suffering. Those little moments of joy where we cook for somebody or where we eat a good bacon or where we just lay down and watch the stars in a field are what make the suffering parts livable right i don't think that you can have a ghibli movie that's purely cozy and nothing bad happens in it and i don't think that you can have a ghibli movie in which everything is terrible and everybody suffers all the time both parts are equally important so this is in fact a soapbox about twitter as much as it is about (laughs) ghibli films i think that both arguments are reductive and neither argument is wrong um I one of the things I love most about those movies is that oftentimes they are deeply scary, but what what lingers with you is not the feeling of the deeply scary parts. It's the part about triumphing over that deeply scary thing. It's, you know, Princess Mononoke wiping the blood off of her mouth after she's just fucked some shit up, you know? Like it's that. It's cooking a delicious breakfast over calcifer. I love calcifer. It's you know, Haku and Sen holding hands or Chihiro holding hands. I couldn't remember her name for a second. It's (laughs) appropriate. Um, 
it's like it's all of those things right you have to have one to balance the other that's what makes them such wonderful films and um i would appreciate if we would stop reducing everybody's arguments to the most uh intense and bad faith reading of them and again neither person in that is entirely wrong and neither person is entirely right it's nuanced the end the end thank you for coming to my ted talk um let me tell you, Mary, about a product you might be interested in. I'm ready. I'm so ready. This product. I'm ready to be interested. You've probably never heard of it before. All right. So prepare yourself. I'm prepared. I'm going to tell you about Dwarven Rations. Oh, man. They, no, I get hungry every time. You haven't seen, you have not heard of this before. Oh, no. I have to tell you about this totally new thing you've never heard of. I'm ready. Uh, Dwarven Rations make artisanal cakes with dedication to quality. Cake. Cake, Yes cakes they're done you've sold me <laughs> that's all you needed they are made in bermuda and they have been shipping them worldwide for over 20 years which is like that's some experience yeah seriously that like they're not quite of legal drinking age here in the u.s but they are of age to vote it's true so vote cake always yeah uh they have a variety of flavors including traditional so lemon and madagascar vanilla mm. chocolate which is light and fluffy yet brownie like Swizzle, Michigan cherries, apricots, pineapple, orange, and lemon, like a rum punch. Uh, coconut, so coconut shreds with the rum flavor for pina colada. And rum and ginger, so apricot and ginger flavor in, in the spirit of a dark and stormy. And even better, each cake, or each box rather, each box includes a random tabletop RPG die. If the cake included it, you could bite into it or swallow it by accident. That'd so, be like a king cake though. That's true. But, Instead of a baby. But I think when, you, when you're eating a king cake, you know what you're getting in for. Like, you don't surprise king cake, you know? Mm, you're, you're like, like when, when my old coworker brought in a king cake, there was a sign on it that said, <laughs> don't eat the baby. Which was a great sign to see on something in an office. But also a warning. Don't eat the baby. Be aware of the baby. It's there. It's probably, that's just a good thing in life to know. Yeah, don't, don't eat, the, eat baby. the baby. Be aware that the baby's there. <laughs> um, these, as, as far as I understand, these tabletop RPG die are not in the cake itself. You do not have to worry about accidentally eating them unless you just... We cannot verify them. I cannot verify. Um, unless you shove the whole box in your mouth without investigating, in which case I'm impressed by the size yeah, of your you mouth. Yeah, do you. So... Um, but probably on YouTube, you'll go viral, but probably you should not eat the dye. How, however <laughs> tempting it may be. I have seen some dye. Uh, we have on our, on side quest, um, an article written by LV Mayperian, who's great, uh, rounding up different dice that look edible. Oh my gosh. And, uh, yeah, there's, there are many dice that do in fact look very edible, but you shouldn't eat them anyway. Um, tell me what to do dwarven rations also has their own special incredibly low-cost custom advertising cake kit for people who want a new merch product for their fan base but don't have to or do don't want to rather uh buy and ship inventory because that's annoying um they do all of that on your behalf and then they send you the cash as the cakes sell which is great for starting up merch because it doesn't have a lot of upfront cost and all of these cakes are fantasy themed and made by a dedicated group of gamers nerds and artists currently they are working out of the bermuda rum cake company in bermuda but are working to get a stateside bakery slash gaming center up and running in the coming months and years to find out more you can head to their webpage at docglass.com slash dwarven rations that's d-o-c-k-g-l-a-s-s dot com slash dwarven rations yeah cake 
Um, okay, I watched Set It Up, which is a Netflix rom-com. I just wanted a rom-com to watch one night when I didn't want to think. I actually started the one with What's-Her-Face from Vampire Diaries, the one where mm. she gets uh, catfished. But I stopped it. I've done this before. I've done this with books before, too. I stopped it before, before like the issue become like the issue happens so i'm like this is just a really nice movie <laughs> sometimes i just that's when i was like i don't i don't want to watch this because like it's sometimes it's just the build-up is too much <laughs> and i just need something nice so then i i watched set it up which is a movie about a girl who uh is the assistant for um, a woman who is editor-in-chief of a sports magazine, played by Lucy Liu, who looks the same age as she did 20 years ago. <laughs> How is that fair? And another guy who works as an assistant to a guy, I don't know what he runs, Some, I think it's some financing thing. And they work in the same building, and they both are work to the bone. They, they're there really late nights, and their meet-cute is uh, she got food for her boss in the middle of the night. He needed to get food. She didn't have cash to pay the delivery guy, so he gave the cash to the delivery guy and stole the food. It was very cute. It was very funny. Like, very much like, I hate you, and I love them. Like, yes, this is what I'm here for. Um, and they decide to actually, you know, live their lives and have a good life and not just in the office all the time, like their bosses are. Um, they're going to set their bosses up and um, hoping that when they are in love, they will be less harsh on them and they could have actual lives. And to do this, they work together a bunch and woo, imagine what happens. I won't spoil it for you, but <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, it, it works and someone falls in love and uh, it's me with Lucy Lou. It, I mean, that's, that's really fair. She is, she's gorgeous. Um, I also really like Lucy Lou's character. I thought that um, she was interesting, but it was a really fun, easy rom-com to watch. It was good. It was just the right amount of like time it took up. I liked both the characters. The guy was kind of a piece of shit, but it worked out for me. Um, and I had a good time. It was just a really fun, easy, um, movie to watch pete davidson's in it which i don't think i've actually watched a movie with him in it um not tom and jerry no <laughs> i didn't know he was in that he's been in other movies I know. <laughs> that's the one that comes to mind i don't even know what else i i know King him. of staten island i only know him as ariana grande's ex-fiance um that's all i know him as. i know him as uh I was having SNL? a conversation. Well, yes, I was having a conversation with some coworkers and one of my coworkers was like, I don't understand Pete Davidson. I don't understand why he's so popular. And I was like, I can see my friends, some <laughs> of my friends dating him. And, and like, it's not for me, but I see it and I feel it in the sense of like, you're not for me, but I see who you are for. Yeah. It's a, he's a very specific type of looking guy. Like mm -hmm. machine gun Kelly has that same, like really tall. They're not like you look at them. You're like, you're not attractive, but I'm attracted to you. But if you really look at them, they are conventionally attractive. Yeah, I saw somebody sure. talking about this on Instagram. They're like, my, my hot take is Pete Davidson is, um, conventionally attractive he just doesn't take care of himself well and and he's on tv which means he's surrounded by supernaturally attractive yes, people yes but like if you saw pete davidson on the street 
and he's your type, then you could be like, ooh, right there, that's it. Who's who? Who are who, you? Who are you? Um, he plays he plays a gay school teacher in it, and it's and it's actually he's one of my favorite characters in in the movie. It was great. Um, but yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was you know uplifting and good and exactly just the right amount of angst I wanted um I didn't have to stop it and end at a good point <laughs> it was just the and like it was it was good I enjoyed it if you want a really easy rom-com that Netflix kind of rom-com I highly suggest this um yeah nice this is gonna be super short I like this please tell me it's actually this yeah it is okay, I good. picked up a zine when I was on vacation um, at a store called Pinky PDX which is a cute little artsy shop in Portland uh, and the zine is called A Beginner's Guide to Tree Watching and it is by Sky Henterly and it is exactly what it sounds like it's a cute little zine about learning to recognize trees um, and the thing I really loved about it I mean Portland has a similar climate to here so I can see a lot of the trees uh, that are in it around me as well but the thing that I really liked about it and this is something that um, I've kind of thought about a lot over the last couple years is that the more you learn about things like even if you just kind of get a layperson's knowledge um, the more you can enjoy looking at things like if I know if I'm an so so for example and I can't I know I'm pretty sure we talked about this before but I don't remember the context or what it was about um, if you're like taking a walk for example with somebody who is an electrician and you know fuck all about electrician electricity and how it works or how it's you know how it's set up um a person taking a walk with an electrician and having them tell you things is going to be a completely different experience and lead you to appreciate things like those little uh those little boxes on the ground that have the wires in them i don't know what they are but you can learn to appreciate that and you can teach yourself to appreciate things like trees or the natural world that surrounds you and just taking a walk then becomes a very different experience than um, it was before you knew that stuff. Oh, one person who talked about this or uh, the game that I played a while ago, uh, the one by Jian Shim and Ching Yin Kuo, uh, Field Guide to Memory. Um, in it, they talk about the green haze, which is when you look out at the forest and all you see is green, right? You just see trees. When you start to learn about those trees, you don't see the green haze anymore. You see individual trees and you start to recognize them for what you are or for what they are and that becomes a really enriching experience suddenly taking a walk is recognizing things that you didn't even see before and that's what this zine kind of teaches you to do it's it's teaching you to to see something that before you had passed by with no knowledge of and now you have some experience of it and you can appreciate it in a different way and that's really lovely and i think we should all learn to do that thank you for coming to my ted talk once again do you feel this way about retaining walls I sure know a lot about retaining walls now. I don't remember all of the names for the different kinds of retaining walls, but when I see a riprap wall, I know a riprap wall. That's hilarious. Um, I read the book The X-Hex by Erin Sterling. This is her only book that she has, and um, I'm impressed. I really liked it. It was another really fun um, book to read. I did read it after Halloween, um, but it is about, uh, it was very much, someone was like, I like practical magic. Um, let's make a book that's like that, but much more rom-com updated and the guy's much more interesting. <laughs> um, it's about a girl who lives with her cousin and her aunt. They're essentially all sisters. They're witches that live in this small town. And um, one of, one of them, 
the main girl, she works at a college where they also teach magic, but she doesn't teach the magic side. She just, because her, her magic isn't very strong and she's okay with that. She's okay with her life. Um, her aunt and, and cousin run a shop in town that sell witchy things, but they are mostly fake witchy things. Um, and it's great. And, um, it begins with, uh, her when she's like 19 breaking up with this boy and them putting a hex on him very much like what happens in practical magic <laughs> with uh trying to find like your perfect man uh-huh. it's like the opposite of that okay um it's like like one of the things is like may hope like may him never find the clitoris <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> this poor man <laughs> It was very funny. So uh, he and then they they jumped. That, that's not a hex on him. That's a hex on every partner with a clitoris he'll have after this. They bring that up. Okay, <laughs> they bring that up. Um, they think they're just having fun because they do it with like a Bath and Body Works candle. Oh my god! <laughs> but then the whole thing is like they turn around and like some witchy stuff happens, and you you assume that this actually happens. He has to come back to this town, and he, like she's the one that got away. Um, and he's like nervous to see her. And what happens? He has to go back to the town to uh, reach- to find the murderer. No, he has to recharge the way the the way lines, the ley lines, the ley lines. Um, what a what a perfect segue into my next my next book. I didn't even see. It's the next uh, dreamer. My, oh yeah. Um, and he finds when he steps foot in this town, <laughs> bad luck happens. Oh no. So bad luck happens. Turns out they really Taylor Swift it, didn't they? Swifted. It's really good. It's just like all these things. You're just like this is this is the juice. Like this is just 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 juice it out. I'm drinking that. This is this is this is it. Um, it's just super fun, and I really enjoyed it. If you like practical magic, you'll like it. If you like uh, good banter, you'll enjoy it. I don't actually know if this one is on my list. Uh, you should put it on there because I think that you'll just have a good time. Um, I like a good time. Yeah, it's just a good time. Like I don't know. It's very. It's just. It's just good. There's some serious stuff that happens. Um, you know, some ghosts get let out and. Hate it when that happens. Yeah, and they have you know they get all kinds put in in situations where oh. they're like gonna have sex but can't. The author does have other books. This oh, is a she? pen name. Oh, because I was looking on Goodreads and I was like, "There's only one." What no, else has she done? It's a pen name for Rachel Hawkins. Oh, let me look. What else? Because I'd be her. Her writing is just is just very breezy, um, and like easy to. It read. looks like she's written other romance novels i'll have to go look because i really enjoyed it it was fun um yeah they bring up the not being able to find the clitoris and they're like that really is not oh i have actually one of her but one of her books under her other her other name on my want to read list oh that's interesting that's funny um yeah it was super good it was super fun if you like practical magic but want something a lot (laughs) less intense um uh then i highly suggest the book it was good time Nice. Oh, did she participate in this? I think she participated in this anthology. Yeah. Oh, this was a... Oh, I'm glad. There was some author who was suing people for using the word cocky in their titles because she thought that she had creative control over the word cocky. And so Rachel Hawkins, who wrote uh, The X-Hex, participated in this anthology called The Cocky Collective. Uh, Speaking of ley lines, (laughs) which is not a thing I get to say enough in my life, I wish I did. I read 
Mr. Impossible by Maggie Stiefvater, which is the second book in the Dreamer trilogy, the spinoff of the Raven Boys, um, following Ronan and his misadventures in life. How much did you love it? I loved it. So I was trying to think of how I can explain this book without spoiling anything. And I really can't. So this is this is a, a metaphor I'm going to hand down to you. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I think that Maggie Stiefvater is the molecular gastronomist chef of YA fiction. And let me tell you why. Because she puts down in front of me something I have not seen before, something I cannot describe. And I say, yum, yum. Let me taste that. <laughs> and I taste it and I go... Mm-hmm. Yum, yum. yum yum this is what I wanted thank you thank you for this delicious food Maggie Steve Otter I think so the first book in this series was you kind of get introduced to the idea that dreamers so Ronan is a dreamer is established that's established in the Raven Boys he can bring things back from his dreams um, sometimes they're really cool and sometimes they're very scary um So in the first book, Call Down the Hawk, it's established that there's a group of people called the moderators who are after the dreamers because they believe that the dreamers are going to end the world. Um, We we get that in the first book. And in the second book, we get more of that. Now it's Ronan and Hennessy, who is a fellow dreamer introduced in Call Down the Hawk. I love Hennessy. I'm sorry about it. Blue sucked so bad. Uh, Hennessy is a much, both Jordan and Hennessy, much better than Blue. Sorry, Blue. Blue, Blue, <laughs> Blue just, you should have ruled and you didn't. Uh, but Jordan and Hennessy, awesome. Um, so in this, in this book, Ronan is on the run with Hennessy along with uh, a man named Bride, who's become kind of this mentor figure in a sense, who's kind of teaching them to dream because when Hennessy dreams, she experiences something called the lace, which we're not going to get too much into because it is hard to explain. <laughs> but she experiences something life threatening and potentially world ending called the lace every time she dreams. Um, and Bride is trying to teach her and Ronan how to dream in such a way that they can restore power to the ley lines. And the ley lines come from, I think, Northern European folklore and refer to lines of energy that run throughout the world in specific directions. Um, you will probably see this in Hellblazer. I can't remember if it's in volume two or if it's in volume one, but ley lines play an important part in at least one arc of the early Hellblazer. Um, So they are trying to restore the ley lines, which have been disrupted by human intervention, especially electricity, natural destruction, noise pollution, those kinds of things have disrupted the ley lines and made it so um, the dreamers not only can't, access their power but anything they dream falls asleep um and so throughout this book it combines a lot of things i love to read about eco-terrorism i love it (laughs) uh art and the creation of art i love it um fucking self-loathing i don't love it but like i love to read about it um i don't I don't even know. It was good. I loved it. Um, I just can't, I can't tell you what it's about. There's no way to describe this book. Um, But I really loved it. If you have liked the other, uh, the Raven boys or um, 
if any of that sounded intriguing, you really just got to let Maggie Steve Otter take you by the hand and show you like little freeze freeze dried milk bubbles and little um you know dishes little weird dishes from a molecular gastronomist that's the only way I can think to describe what her books are like they're just so weird and like if you try to explain it to somebody else they're like what why and you're just like just trust me it's good it's tasty you'll like it you'll like it it. um so Mr. Impossible despite that wild ass title um really good I liked it a lot um this one we both did um I watched Venom let there be carnage. Uh, um, That's and, right, folks. We're back to talk about Venom. <laughs> this one was not as good as the first one, Mm-mm. but it was still good. But I'm really glad that they brought on that girl who did that song, Venom. I know. I was so glad because that song is so much better than yes. the Eminem Venom, Venom, Venom. Yes, I would. I 100% agree. Listen, I'm here for a movie where Venom goes to a rave, professes <laughs> his love for Eddie. Yeah. Says he's Eddie sexual and um, just has like, you know, a, a you know. It's like watching a teen movie where you're just coming to learn who you are. Yeah. And just just figure yourself out. Um, For those who haven't seen it yet, (laughs) um, plot wise in this movie, um, Eddie Eddie Brock uh, interviewed Mr. Carnage. Mr. Carnage. What the (laughs) fuck is his name? Cassidy. Cassidy. I almost went with Cassius. Not Kane. Cassidy. That's different. And the Sundance Kid. Cassidy. (laughs) Harrelson, Woody Harrelson. Woody he interviewed Harrison. Woody Harrelson, <laughs> who's a serial killer. Woody Carnage, Howdy Harrison, Woody. <laughs> I don't remember his fucking name. I'm Eddie. sorry. Um, Eddie interviews um. him, and uh, he tells his story, and he goes to jail. But he doesn't like the way he told his story. He he wanted a more sympathetic portrait of him as a serial killer. Uh, which you know whatever um but what happens is eddie and venom are fighting because venom has to eat brains he has to and he can't eat those chickens he can't eat the chicken they're his friends they're his friends they're best friends yeah um I, it's a <laughs> I love it's, the chicken it's in one of the co- i can't remember which comic it's in it's in one of the ones that we read but like he literally needs a chemical in brains or he'll die um whether that's true in every venom story is a mystery, but like it, 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 at least one of the comics that is true. If he doesn't eat brains, he'll die. So he wants to eat brains. And Eddie's like, you can't just eat brains. You can only eat the brains of bad people. And like, I don't know, there's just not enough bad stuff going on. Um, so they're in a fight and they break up by which I mean, Venom leaves his body, but they broke up. They break up. Um, but they're in a fight. And, uh, when they go to interview Woody Harrelson before he is, before he dies, before he's sentenced to death, um, they get in a little tussle. Um, Woody Harrelson is in the cage. This sounds so weird the way I'm saying it, but listen, listen, I had a COVID vaccine yesterday, so bear with me. Um, they get a little tussle and a little bit of Eddie's blood gets in his mouth and then he gets his own little Venom has a son. 
uh what are they called symbiote he gets his own little his own little dude named carnage um who sucks he sucks and then they break up and then just a wild a bunch of wild shenanigans happen um yeah i liked it it was not as good as the first one but what is but i have a i seriously have a grudge against andy circus that's fair i don't have a reason for it but i just i just don't like him and i and this movie came out and i was like that's why it's because Andy Serkis did it. He directed. And I was like, I don't really have any evidence that this is the reason I don't like it. Well, it's not that I don't like it. I just didn't think it was as good. It was a little too fan servicey for me. I liked it. I, I was fine with it. <sighs> it's just like, I like, I like a fan service, you know, I like it, but I felt like it was trying too hard. It was trying too hard to make me love it. And I'm like, no, no, what you don't understand I is love it. I already love it. You don't have to try. Just let me, just let me love it. Make it the, th- do the thing and I'll love it. You don't have to try. Um, it was a little too, it tried a little, it tried a little too hard for me, I think, to, to court my affections. I and I was like, fair. you have them. You don't have to try, baby. Just go. I, I just think there thing. were so many good, like, moments that are just like, this is what I'm here for. The rave. I when think. When he makes some breakfast. When he is like. Um, I'm not into you're not my type and I'm like yeah. <laughs> I'm like you literally just just confirmed it all. I think the thing the thing that I think didn't work for me about it was they were clearly trying to recapture the magic of yeah. of the original, which is fine. And not not an unnoble goal. The thing that I think didn't work for me is it felt like they picked the scenes that they wanted to be the 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 ones the ones that were going to get the fan art and the videos and the Lobster. TikToks. Yeah, they they picked those scenes and then they orchestrated the story around them. Mm-hmm. So it felt more manufactured than the weirdness of the first movie, mm-hmm. which was so weird. Like mm-hmm. just minute to minute, you don't know. When you start that movie, you don't know that Tom Hardy is going to get in a lobster tank. How could you? Why does he do it? We don't know. Okay, but I will say in this movie, I don't remember. I'm I'm sure it happened in the in the. But anyways, uh, Tom Hardy on a motorcycle. Oh, there's just something so good about that. Oh, it's just so good. Oh, it's I just, can't. There are no Tom words. Hardy. It's just just I, Tom Hardy. I was talking to my husband about this last night, and I was like, I can't believe Tom Hardy is ve- is Eddie as well as. honestly it's this is like one of the great tragedies of the world is that tom hardy is legitimately a good voice actor like he doesn't sound the same in any movie and yet chris pratt gets every fucking voice role this is a tragedy this is one of the great sorrows of the world that we live in is that we have to listen to chris pratt do the same voice for everything yeah while tom hardy is out here being bane and and eddie and venom and that guy in inception and whatever else he's been in and being a fucking putting his saucy ass photos on myspace like He's just a good. He does he, it all. He deserves to be level like Chris Evans level of love. And yeah. It's it's sad that he isn't. That time when he said gangbang in a press <laughs> tour and he makes that face. Like he just he's so self-aware. He's a treasure. And he loves Venom. Yeah. Like, he he get, he got a executive producer role or and he or wrote writer. he wrote part of the movie. Yeah. And so like I don't know, part of it kind of feels like um we wanted to make this as, as crazy as we could because we can. Yeah. I I liked it. I didn't love it, but I did like it. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, 
it doesn't even matter because I'm just glad that Venom exists. Like, I'm glad that even if I didn't like it as much, I'm glad Let There Be Carnage exists. It was weird. It was what what I want from a superhero movie at this point is not like a cool crossover, which they tried. They How do you feel about that? Bad, Mary. It's bad. I'm okay with it. It's I'm not getting on the Spider-Man soapbox. Okay. I'm not going to get on the Spider-Man soapbox right now. Um, I can't do it. I've soapboxed enough, but I, I DM us and she'll get it on it for you. She'll I just don't on it. I you. don't. The MCU Spider-Man movies are really enjoyable, but I think I don't like them. That's the that's the gist. That has fuck all to do with Spider-Man. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I think Tom Holland does a delightful spider-man but like i hate i don't hate the movies i really enjoy watching them they just make me so angry anyway anything with zendaya is good <sighs> yeah anyway um i don't want venom in the mcu i don't want it it's gonna make him so awful he's gonna be so awful and it's gonna suck let him be in his own movie let him be in spider-verse into the spider-verse right? like he would be uh, so good there. oscar isaac's back i know I'm really excited about Into the Spider-Verse 2, a movie that understands what makes Spider-Man good and not I saw some this. bullshit about loving tech men. <laughs> I uh, saw this thing on Instagram that was like, it showed um, what's his name in Into the Spider-Verse and it was like, now I know how my parents feel when I grow up. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looks so much older. I'm so excited for that movie. Me too. Um but yeah, I I just like I like the su- the superhero movies that are like their own they're doing their own thing. I like that. Um and I that's one thing I really appreciate about the Venom movies is that they are doing their own thing. They're not beholden to making me watch 85 other movies I don't fucking care about. We are lethal protector. Yeah, I was dying when they screamed that it's out. Cu- it's cute. I don't know. I like it and I, I hope that they continue to be weird and if they do this, this is like almost a spoiler but not. If they do get folded into the MCU and they do anything to destroy this perfect harmony I... Missy's literally marching down there. I will be the lethal protector I will get an alien symbiote and I will make a whole ass mess at the Disney MCU offices. I will make such a mess. You don't even know the depths of the mess that I will make. I'm not, this is not a violent threat. This is a mess threat. This is me throwing all your papers on the ground. This is me do putting what Venom would do. ketchup packets in the hallways <laughs> so that you step on them. This is me putting a, an old can of cat food under your desk so you can't find it and it just stinks and you don't know where it's coming from that's what I'm going to do so Venom let there be carnage let there be Venom let there be carnage and please 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 if you're gonna put Venom in this in the MCU do it right from my understanding it's an end credit scene there at least that's the rumor and like i'm i feel like they'll probably get more flexibility with an end credit scene yeah i so i am not running at 100 percent capacity right now but the thought of venom like tom not yeah tom hardy venom in the mcu is giving me intense dread like i feel like i'm dreading a real thing that is threatening my life well then we'll stop talking about it. 
I know I am not really threatened, but like I'm like, no, they're going to ruin it. Well, they probably they probably will try. They probably will. It's going to be like Eddie now is best friends with they're going to resurrect Tony Stark again and they're going to make them best friends, even if it doesn't make any fucking sense. <sighs> but what if they don't? What if they make Venom and uh, uh, the villain? He's, well, he's an anti-hero. No, I, know, I, I know, but like, what if I feel like that'd be good? Good. I hope he eats Doctor Strange. I hope he eats everyone. Yeah, I don't. And then and then except Zendaya. Yeah. And then they're best friends. <laughs> oh my god, I could see them being best friends. They would be such a good friend group because, like, she's so like whatever, and he's so ridiculous that she could just handle it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so there's that fan fiction. There you have our important hot takes about Venom. <laughs> Let there be carnage. Yeah. The last thing I've been up to because my brain needs a break is a show called game changer, which is a game show on dropout.tv featuring a variety of people from college humor and uh, dimension 20 and various other like tabletop stuff that I am not actually familiar with. Sorry. Um, anyway, game changer is a game show where the game is different every time, unless it's the one that makes noises, in which case there's several of those. Um, it's really funny. <laughs> I, there's like not a whole lot to say about this. I, I, as I told Mary, I made Mary watch a couple episodes of it last night. Um, as I told Mary, I think this show is going to blow the fuck up soon. And you're going to hear a lot about Game Changer. And then you're going to go watch Game Changer. And you're going to be like, oh, I love this so much. And then everybody's going to quote it a whole bunch. And then in six months, you're going to be like, God, I fucking hate Game Changer. <laughs> so get on it now. Uh, before it's been enjoy it now enjoy it while you can because i think it's gonna blow the fuck up um it's really really funny some of the funniest episodes are uh, and obviously these are the ones that keep getting like posted around but the uh the episodes with uh, i can't remember everybody's i only remember their first names the episodes with josh zach and brennan doing noise impressions of things are very good um i also loved the uh what was it called like my coffee or something like that it was like an episode about like pickup lines and that kind of stuff that one was really funny whodunit in season one was very funny um it's just if you just want to watch something that's gonna make you laugh and that is gonna leave your brain the moment it's over game changer is for you it's a lot of fun if you like game shows if you like to laugh at stuff you're gonna like it Missy showed it to me and it was very funny. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it is quite funny. Um, it's a good, it's a good time. Uh, and that's it. Do you have anything else? Nope. Well, then that does it for this episode. Thanks for joining me on my gradual slide away from sanity as my brain tries to fight off the, um, the MRNA of COVID-19. Um, <laughs> Uh, I love vaccines. Everyone go get your vaccine. Yeah. Get boosted. Get your vaccines. Continue to use your mask and stay six feet away. Uh, anecdotally, the side effects of my booster, way easier than the side effects of shot number two. Same. I had COVID arm. My husband had absolutely nothing. He had nothing the first time. But my two of my managers were out for like three days. Yeah. I, so far, totally, I'm really tired and my brain's foggy. I got really tired. But the first time I had a bad headache and I felt feverish, like I had a mild fever. This time I don't have a mild fever. I just, as I said earlier, very aware of my bones 
and uh, I am I'm really tired and a bit loopy. Yeah. So, um, but honestly, go go get that I'm booster. I'm so happy that we have it. Yeah, go get that booster. I'm get so boosted. happy I'm two weeks out almost exactly when I go to Disneyland. <laughs> I'll be two weeks out on Christmas. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, if you, if you enjoyed this, find us online at fakeygirlscast.com, which has all of our previous episodes and a link to our, uh, really cool podcast network, Penwich Studio. Join us there. Join them there. Look at the shows. You'll like them. Uh, if you like this also leave us a review on your podcast service of choice and say, what a great job you're doing. Good, good job. Good job. Good job. Everybody. We love it say you can say any variation of that if you say anything mean i'll cry it's probably true <laughs> i'll i'll be really I'll, cry too. I'll be really brave about it but <laughs> but I, but i might cry i'm just kidding you can review however you like no no you can't only be nice please only be nice um next time uh <laughs> listen it's i don't know when our next episode is going to come out i don't know what's going on i will try to figure this out someday when my brain is not mush um let's not worry about it now but this is this is the list of what's coming up as of this exact moment sometime in january <laughs> uh the vampire diary season f- seasons five through eight it's happening we're gonna be done we're i gonna- caught up to missy she did in like three weeks yeah i my brain's not been on the vampire <laughs> i do say like i feel like in all of the other seasons i could i could like get stuck on my phone for a half hour and feel yeah. okay this one i this season i do feel like i'm like oh i need to go back and i know when i can tune out yeah i really like this season it's not yeah it's not bad uh after that we are going to be doing hellblazer that is original sins dangerous habits and john constantine hellblazer which is two volumes marks of woe and the a better version of you. That's what they are. Um, so we'll be talking about that in one episode. And then in a second episode, we are going to be doing Constantine and Constantine, which is the show and the movie. And the hardcore band. And the hard... What? No, just kidding. <laughs> but imagine, like, that'd be a good hardcore band name. Constantine, Constantine and Constantine. Constantine. That's my new band. Yeah. Let's start it. Okay. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be doing the, fruit, the Fruits Basket. We're going to be doing Fruits Basket. We're going to also split that into two episodes. I found this really cute jewelry company that does like Star Wars stuff. And they had a line called Fruits Baskets. And I was like, what? This just fruit. <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> so we're going to do one episode on the manga series and then one episode on both anime series. Um, I'm very excited. I never read the manga and I haven't watched all of the new anime yet. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then there might, I don't know about commissions. My husband is, is, wants us to do skins, um, which I think would be fun. Yeah, I do too. A uh, lot to say. Another friend mentioned commissioning us to do Howl's Moving Castle. So we shall see where we are at. But currently December, 2021, <laughs> that's what the schedule looks like. When these episodes will come out, nobody fucking knows. I hope that. Leslie has us too. Hello, Leslie. Uh, Letter <laughs> Kenny, because yeah. I think you'd really, really like it. Yeah, it's in. A, I think it's in the jar. You would just love them for like the beginning is just them saying, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's very funny. <laughs> um, also, uh, if you want to hear us do an unplanned episode on austin powers it's gonna be listen it's gonna be real good it's that is going to be a patreon patreon exclusive one dollar 
you just have to back at the one dollar one dollar an hour one dollar uh only be like two hour two dollars yeah uh you just have to back for a dollar and you'll get access to that it is not up yet i don't know when it's going to be up but it will be but it will happen it's just like i said my life is it is on fire it's you know so hot it's blue the last week has been not too bad so let's let's all hope that it continues uh and hopefully things will resume (laughs) normal fashion um so yeah that's it all right catch you on the flip side We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. And yet here we are, in defiance of Lovecraft, laughing through the darkness. The Lovely Craftians is an all-ladies Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast with horror, humor, and no small amount of chaos set in an occasionally familiar modern-day Chicago. Brought to you by Wampus House Productions and the Penwich Studio Network, You can find The Lovelies on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher, or anytime over at lovelycraftians.com. And remember, you never roll sanity alone here.